You're listening to Carnivore Conversations, a podcast exploring the benefits of keto, carnivore, intermittent feasting, and other lifestyle hacks. Each week, we'll be interviewing a special guest from the keto carnivore community and so much more. This is your host, board certified and practicing physician, Dr. Robert Kiltz. Well, we're here to share your story. Uh, and you by Jen, Jennifer, Dr. Geister, what, I, how do you like I to go, be addressed? I go by Jen. So I Jen. am a doctor of physical therapy. So Dr. Jen is appropriate, but I generally have people call me Jen. Okay. All right. Dr. Rob, Rob, it doesn't matter to me. Dr. K kills it. I don't know. I take it all. It's, it's a okay. So Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this crazy carnivore world. I'd love to. First of all, thank you so much for having me and letting me share my story. It's such an honor. And I found out about the carnivore diet because I have had a lifetime of psoriasis. I was diagnosed at age seven and I spent all of my life on and off dealing with psoriasis. But in my thirties, it got really bad to the point that it was affecting my relationships. It was affecting my work. It was really affecting my self-esteem even more than it did as a kid, believe it or not. And so I started taking immunosuppressant medications for it. And so for the first time, my skin was completely clear and I thought it was a miracle. Like I had discovered a miracle drug, but immediately I started having tons of health problems from being immunosuppressed. So it first started with one throat infection after another, after another, eventually I ended up with a severe strep throat and no medications, no oral medications in any way could, could fix it. And then I ended up during that time while still suffering with the strep throat, I came down with leukocytoclastic vasculitis and my body had just exploded in vasculitis. I had no idea what was happening at the time. I didn't have a diagnosis yet. And I honestly thought I was dying. So I went to the hospital yeah. and they admitted me not because of the vasculitis actually, but because the strep throat was so bad. So I had to stay for a few days and be on IV antibiotics. It was erdipenem to finally kick that strep throat. And nobody was very concerned about the vasculitis, but I was certainly concerned because I was covered head to toe. My whole body was swollen from it. It was incredibly painful. It felt like I was being bitten by bugs with electric teeth. I couldn't sleep. It was a nightmare. And nobody could even really tell me why I had it. They said, it's either because you have an autoimmune problem or it's because of the antibiotics or it's because of the severity of the strep throat. We don't really know. Sorry. So that was frustrating. It did go away after a few months, though it would kind of come and go. And when it would come back, it would just be a little bit. I'd freak out and I would get super tight with my diet because I started noticing that some diet decisions I made would affect it. And it was specifically when I would eat sugar and drink alcohol that it would come back. Mm. So I would avoid all of those things. How long ago was this when that when that event happened, the strep throat? So. It was right before the beginning of COVID. I'll never forget. So it was um, like April, 2020 was when I had this terrible strep throat and then the vasculitis. And so we're almost to the carnivore part. So six months later, my skin was mostly clear. I was doing okay. And then I, and I was still on immunosuppressant medications all through that. So my psoriasis was gone. Well, then my body just blew up with psoriasis, even though I was still on the meds. And by that time I was just 
fed up. Like it was one thing after another. Plus I work in healthcare and it was COVID. It was just this most stressful time of my life by a million from, from the standpoint of my health, but also work was crazy. You, you know, as a doctor, mm -hmm. you know, that was a crazy time. Um, and so I just was like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep going to my dermatologist and my PCP and the rheumatologist and all these people and nobody has a solution and they just want to give me more drugs and they're just making me sicker. So I right, finally right. went to a naturopath in Lawrence here where I live and his nutritionist, honestly, I think she just happened to be doing the carnivore diet herself was just experimenting a little bit. And so she told me about it. And so I left the office and I looked up people like Michaela Peterson and Kelly Hogan and decided this is the one thing I haven't tried. So I'm going to try. And so that mm -hmm. was right around Christmas time of 2020. Wow. 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 And, and so you just jumped into carnivore or tell us a little bit about your, your jump in your tiptoeing or how you managed to get, get to that next level. Well, it was a little bit of a bumpy road. I'll give you that little spoiler. I had a false start, but I dove right in head first and I was following Michaela Peterson. So I basically dove right in lion diet. And as a person who all my life also has been binge eating, that was probably a mistake. You know, I made it way too tight, but I was noticing improvements right away. I was losing some weight. My skin got a little worse for a couple weeks, but then it started to take a turn and start to get a little bit better at about the six week mark. And so I was incredibly encouraged. And then over the next few months, it was getting better and better. And I was feeling really good, but I also sort of had the mindset the whole time of this is temporary. I'm going to get my skin better. And then I'm going to go back to eating like normal. Mm -hmm. And maybe that works for some people, but for me, someone who spent 20 years binging, starting to add other things back was like eating two dozen chocolate chip cookies. So I definitely had a bit of a setback. Now I had gotten my skin under control and I was still at that point, I was still on my immunosuppressant medication. So I think I could get away with more with my diet once I'd gotten it under control, the skin under control. And so I started adding other foods after about six months, I was really not carnivore much at all. I was meat heavy, but I was not carnivore and I was binging quite a bit. So I had to quit. And so I quit for about nine months and just went to wow. regular sort of keto diet. And then I realized, so now February of 2021, that's when I say is my real carnivorsary. I realized that's when I felt my very best. I want to get off these medications that are definitely poison because I'm being told I can't get pregnant on them because it will like kill the baby. And also I don't trust that my skin's not going to get bad again. And I think I can do that as my lifestyle rather than as a temporary solution. So as of mm -hmm. February of 2021, I've been hundred percent carnivore, haven't had one binge, haven't had one cheat. And I've now been off my immunosuppressant medications for about nine months. So I'm very excited about where I am today. Wow. Wow. So psoriasis is gone. The drugs are gone. Uh, what, what other things are you feeling and noting on this, this new journey? What is the most, like the one thing that feels the best? Well, honestly, the freedom from binge eating. I mean, anyone who's been a binge eater knows it controls your life. I mean, it completely yeah. affects all your relationships. It affects your productivity at work. It, you know, I'd, I'd leave for a vacation with a set of clothes in my suitcase. And by the time I'd be at the end of the vacation, none of them would fit because I wow. gained 10 pounds of just 
eating junk food the whole time. And so I don't have that anymore. And I didn't even, that was a surprise to me because it was basically like four or five months in, my skin is doing great. I'm feeling good. And I realized, huh, I haven't binged in a really long time. I had no idea it would help that, but it has. And so honestly, this, the autoimmune healing is so important to me. And that's a message I want to spread, but the binge eating is equally important. And I feel like that's sort of my message too, is that this can be the thing that gives you freedom from binge eating after decades. What, what is the thing do you think caused your problems? Can, can you sort of say, here are the things I now know are the cause and help share that with those that are listening and maybe suffering and experiencing the same problems. Absolutely. I think with the autoimmune condition, I think what caused that was a lifetime of, I mean, some trauma, some childhood trauma and mixed with just a terrible diet. I mean, I grew up in a really poor household with a single mom and all we ate was processed food. And I mean, that's what I liked anyway, but that's also what we could afford and that's what we had. And so I think just that combination led to this um, outer presentation of my body trying to detoxify itself through my skin. And I guess in some ways, I'm glad for that. I'm glad that my body is capable of doing that in a way to keep me from getting sick in other ways and also to show me and give me really clear signs of what you're putting in is not good you've got to stop that. And so now I can make better choices for myself. Now the binge eating, I started binging when I was about 15. And I distinctly remember that's when I decided I wasn't skinny enough as about a freshman in high school, as I was going through puberty and things were changing and suddenly I needed to be skinnier. And so I started severely restricting my calories. Probably I was eating 500 to a thousand calories a day. And I was playing sports and stuff. So I was very active and burning a lot of calories. And so obviously my body couldn't maintain that. So I would, I would restrict for a few days and then I would just binge on candy and ice cream and whatever I had access to. And then as I got older, that got worse because then I had money and I had time alone, right? So I could eat in secret. Um, and so I think it started because of me restricting so tightly, but then it became a habit and it became so many other things. It became um, like searching for that dopamine hit mm-hmm. all the time and also continuing down this roller coaster of trying to restrict to lose weight as an adult and then bouncing back. So it was just like this vicious cycle of my biology working against me and my mental health and my bad habits all working against me. So I just spent 20 years binge eating. Which is kind of our normal humanity in a sense. I mean, I'm just wondering if we're for sort of a normal mental uh, attitudes or, or belief systems kind of put us there because we want to fit in. We, we want mm-hmm. to look good. We want to succeed. And so we kind of tend to move towards what is normal, right? The, the, the eating things that aren't good for us the alcohol and maybe other activities did. And, and do you think maybe that, that the, the, the bad habits are just so easy to be in, but learning this new thing is, is so powerful. I do think that though, I think some people when they're exposed at a young age to more healthful habits and healthful foods that, 
their trajectory sometimes seems a little different, especially from the disordered eating standpoint. I think if I'd had a guardian to not, not let me diet basically, and not let me make those choices, I think that would have helped a lot. Not putting any blame on my mom or anything like that. She did her best. But if I had a daughter, I mean, there would be a no tolerance policy on trying to diet. Um, and, and I would certainly encourage healthful foods. But, but like you said, yeah, in social situations and stuff like that, there's going to be these highly palatable foods around. And I think that people are still going to tend to want those things. But if they can keep it from becoming a disorder, then they're a whole lot better off, I think. Awesome. So when did uh, Delighted to Meet You show up? Well, my second time around starting the carnivore diet in February of 2021 is when I started to feel really excited about this. You know, I felt like this is a lifestyle I can actually do. My skin is good. And I knew I was going to start getting off my, start weaning off my medication soon. And here's the other thing. I just started 75 hard, which is a kind of a mindset and fitness challenge. And so I started the Instagram page delighted to meet you the same day I started 75 hard kind of as an accountability um, method. And I didn't talk a lot about carnivore at the beginning. And I didn't talk about my skin at all because I was mm -hmm. very shy about it still. And I was still on my medication. So I felt like I didn't want people to see me as a fraud and I hadn't proven anything yet with the diet. I knew I felt good, but I felt like people would say, she's lying. She's still on her medication, whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. And as time went by and I started to get to know other people in the community and feel much more comfortable, I no longer had those reservations. And now people do say she's lying. She's this, she's that, but now I don't care. And now that I've been off my medication for nine months, I definitely don't have any kind of reservations with sharing any of that because I know it can be done and it's not easy and there are bumps in the road like I had, but somebody has to pave the way and show that other people can have some hope. And if some, if I had seen somebody that had my exact problem, that would have helped me so much. And it probably would have kept me from having that false start at the beginning to kind of guide me through the way. And I figured it out, thank goodness, but I want to be able to help people in all the ways that I needed the help too. But your regular doctors didn't give you this information because there we don't know what the cause is and here the drugs take and, and uh, diet doesn't matter. Yes. I mean, I had discussed with my dermatologist some different diet changes and he, he's supportive. You know, he said, sure, try it. I don't think it's going to help. And then I told him I was going to go to a naturopath and he said, okay, sure. But I mean, they're just going to give you a bunch of supplements and it's not really going to help. And to his credit, that is mostly what happened <laughs> at the naturopath. But then once I got connected with the nutritionist, that totally changed everything. Um, and so now, honestly, I have, I, I have seen my dermatologist a few times since because I go get Botox sometimes, <laughs> but I haven't seen him about my psoriasis. And so I think what I'm going to do is wait till my one year mark of no meds and then go talk to him and show him my skin. And I, I imagine he'll still be skeptical, but again, you, somebody's got to pave the way and show what can be done. And then maybe that'll plant a seed in him for other people. And, and tell us a little bit about what you're doing on social media. I noticed you're doing some coaching, some speaking, uh, tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, it's kind of just organically grown, really. I started as a way to connect with other people, specifically carnivores, and it's just kind of grown over time. And I, my love for it has grown and my um, I've sort of made it a bigger part of my life. So I, I've worked full time as a physical therapist for 15 years, and I recently went part time in January of this year so that I could focus more on creating content and building YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and starting to do some coaching and all of that. And so it's just kind of been me not knowing what's the next step and just putting one foot in front of the other and then opportunities present themselves and present themselves. And I've just taken them. Um, but now, yeah, I'm definitely in a position where I never thought that this would be me, but now I'm the one who's kind of motivating people and guiding people and showing them there's hope. And so, you know, if somebody sends me a message that sa that says, Hey, we don't even know each other, but you said such and such. And that helped me get started or whatever thing that made me feel so good. That's, that's the thing that like really drives me. And so that's what I keep doing. And I'm kind of driving myself to an early death at the moment. I need to figure out some balance so I can actually get a little more sleep and a little more free time. So I'm working on that, but right now I'm just constantly creating content and making connections and coaching and all of that kind of stuff. But you love it. We can see I do that. love it. I do. It's true. But I'm starting to feel a little bit kind of burning the candle at both ends. So I recognize that I need to back up a little bit if I'm going to practice what I preach, because part of what I'm preaching is rest and relaxation and decreasing stress, because that has a huge role on all of these problems. But in my case, specifically psoriasis and binge eating, the, the stress will affect my clients. So if I'm going to tell them they need to decrease their stress, then I need to model that too. Tell us a little bit about the, the you mentioned the 75, uh, what was the rest of that that you were starting, which it sounded brought, brought in some mindful thoughts and ideas also? Yeah, 75 hard is really incredible. It's a program by Andy Frazella. I don't know how long it's been around five years, maybe, but basically it looks like a fitness challenge because you have to do all, you have to do five tasks every single day that seem fitness and, and diet related. Those five tasks are working out twice a day. I feel a little nervous telling you this because I know you're not a huge proponent of exercise, but anyway, working out twice a day for 45 minutes each time. And one must be outside drinking a gallon of water, reading 10 pages of nonfiction, sort of personal growth, um, taking a progress photo of, of yourself every day and following a diet, whatever diet you choose for yourself. So it's a very sort of non-denominational kind of uh, program. But even though it looks like a fitness program because of the exercise, it is really a mindset program. You have to be very diligent every day to get all these tasks done. You have to be very mindful of what you've done and what you've got left. And something comes up in your day to where you can't finish a task, but you have to figure it out somehow anyway. And so it makes you a very resilient, much tougher, mentally strong person. And um, so for 75 days, you do all those five things. And I'm actually starting a group July 1st. So just a couple weeks from now to start again with 75 hard with a group of people following me. So if anyone's interested in that, um, I just created a free Facebook group and people can, people can join. I love that. I love that. Fitness. Well, I guess the question is, what is fitness? Well, that's a good thoughts? question. I mean, as a physical therapist, I would say fitness is something that helps you to maintain your strength, your mobility, and your 
sort of cardiovascular endurance. And so it doesn't actually have to be exercise. And I'm kind of tailoring this to you because I know that what you do is more like activity around the house and things like that. And so that can absolutely count. I do tend to fall in the more traditional view of fitness of like lifting weights and walking and riding your bike and doing those kinds of things. But maybe that's more because that's what I like. That's what makes me feel good. And I like to be out getting fresh air and things like that. And so something like gardening doesn't necessarily feel like exercise to me, but that does not mean it does it to someone else and that they can't get their activity that way. Well, well I'm not against exercise. I just say it's, it's not necessarily required. This idea that that exercise is what you need to do in order to be healthy and old when you're old, it's just to me, it's the the mind, and that's why I like the 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 reading, the instilling positivity, watching and listening to you and reading your stuff is a mindset, probably as much as anything else to me. And then the physical part, I mean, I do some light weights and I do some writing, but I don't, I don't anymore. And I used to, I used to be crazy man at that. But then I kind of stopped about 10, maybe more than that, 12 years ago. But then I'm kind of back into it light over the last couple of years. But I do notice, and this may be the physical therapy side of things, that my joints, you know, I can't, I cannot lift as heavy as I used to. And I feel it more. So I do my light stuff and I do my stretching and things like that. But I'm a doer. Homework, studio, those sort of things. And, and getting out and doing something you enjoy, I think is the part that I really think is so powerful and important, which is, sounds like what you're doing. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. And you look like you're probably doing just fine. And I think actually the thing a lot of people miss as they begin to age is the mobility piece. You know, lots of people can be very consistent with lifting weights and keeping their strength up. And that is important. But if you can't get your arm over your head when you're 60, that's not good. <laughs> well, I had some problems with, with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, tendonitis, calcific tendonitis. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I notice it and it's, it's like, as we age, we're going to, it's a beautiful thing to age because, you know, if you want to live a long time, that's called aging. Things wear down. They don't work like they did when you were teenager in twenties, X, Y, Z. So that's not a bad thing. Uh, I think the mobility, the stretching, the light work, the yoga, those sort of things are things that I think are Tai Chi, but just get up and do something every day and be inspired. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about your physical therapy work. How'd you get into that? And then what are you seeing in that work, integrating it or is it is it different? Well, Oh, there's so many ways to take that question. So how I got into it in the first place was I knew I wanted to be in healthcare and I started out pre-med and realized I didn't necessarily want to go to med school and go that route. I wanted to have what I thought would be a little bit more balance in my life and a little bit more one-on-one -on -one connection with my patients. And so that turned out to be the best choice for me. And then um, what I do now as a physical therapist, I've done all kinds of different things, worked in lots of different settings, but now I work in the acute care setting, which means in the hospital with patients when they're very first recovering from an illness or they've had an injury or something like that. And so let's say, for example, I might have a patient that just had a stroke yesterday. And so I'm teaching them how to sit on the side of the bed and get up and walk when they have a paralyzed side. 
So probably they're not walking if, if one, if they have a hemiplegia, but right. anyway, teaching them how to move as best they can, or maybe they have, they had a car accident and they have two broken legs and now they can't bear weight on either leg. So it's like coming up with strategies to be able to get them to a wheelchair and that kind of thing. So it's a very physically demanding job, but I'm finding it very, very frustrating now that I've become carnivore and more aware of my diet, because I mean, almost everyone is diabetic, almost all my patients. And the food we're feeding them is just ridiculous. And just the the way that the doctors handle the treatment is just beyond me. I mean, I'm not kidding you when I tell you I'll have a patient who's a type one diabetic and literally on an insulin drip right then. And we're we're feeding them pancakes or something. Or, you know, the doctor comes in and says, Well, you haven't been eating enough. You just you need to eat whatever, whatever sounds good. Eat a gallon of ice cream if your husband can bring it in. I, I'm that literally happened two weeks ago. Yeah, I just yeah. it baffles me. And then, you know, like the feeding tube food that they get is just full of dextrose, basically. And then if they have a heart attack or a stroke, the only thing the cardiologist wants to know is what their LDL is. And usually it's low. <laughs> um, and then they just prescribe statins and it's just so, so sad. And I, I, you know, we work as a team in the hospital, the, all the different doctors, the hospitalists, the therapists, all that. And so it's, it's definitely not my job to be the one advising them on nutrition. And I try to sneak it in, but I don't want to overstep either. So it's pretty tough. Well, I talk about it a lot, but I, I have a, a different position, I guess. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm my own boss when it comes to what I do. But I, it is, I see it. And, you know, so medical students, they look like they were just got eyes for, you know, they're deer in the headlights. They, they just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And, and we are, we are essentially feeding our, our, our families, our communities, our, our cultures, this, the, the foods that cause us to have diseases like yourself. And I had many similar things. I had psoriasis, eczema, migraines, mm -hmm. I had everything. And no one in medical school has ever discussed the fact that it might be your plant-based low to no animal fat diet. Yes, absolutely. And I actually have a question for you. Um, lately, I have been sort of promoting the whole doctor thing just a little bit more because Technically, I am a doctor. You are a doctor. Call doctor. You are a doctor. And sometimes in the comments, people will say things like, this is ridiculous. She's not an expert. She didn't learn anything about nutrition in PT school, which is true. I didn't learn much. But my argument back that I never say, but I want to say is neither did you, right? I'm assuming you barely learned anything in med school about nutrition. Oh, well, I, I happen to be a, a, a biochemistry uh, nutritional uh, undergrad uh, uh, major. And I can tell you everything I learned was absolutely incorrect. So mm. it doesn't matter. None of us learn proper nutrition anyway. And I think that's the real argument here because if we did take nutrition, I have a PhD in nutrition, and most likely I learned a plant-based diet and, and, and that's our biggest conundrum here. It we're, but we're kind of, it's, it's all a circular argument, but like yourself and myself, where we had ask, actual physical ailments, including psychological problems, I would say that mm -hmm. were healed on carnivore. 
uh, that's that's the amazing part of the story. But I think why I spend so much time in this arena is because I too have some frustration about the way we uh, practice and teach our, our communities how to eat and what the problems are. But I'm just so inspired because the way I feel, I like a, feel like a kid in a candy store. I just got to like take in the whole thing. But this time it's it's meat and 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 not uh, uh, mush. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's all we can do. Live our lives like this and, and show what can be done. And then the people that are open to it will take the reins and do it themselves. And those that aren't, okay, well, that's up to them. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about how people can find you. Uh, what's the best way? And, and what are your sort of offerings that people can uh, gain from, from visiting your, your, uh, your, your sites? Thank you for letting me share that. So I'm on mostly Instagram is where I'm most active. It's delighted to meet you, M-E-A-T. But I'm also on YouTube quite a bit. Same name, TikTok, same name, Facebook, same name. Um, and then I have a website, delightedtomeetyou.com. And there's lots of free tools on there, different kind of calculators, different um, uh, infographics that you can download. Many of them are free. In fact, most everything on there is free, though there are a few things that have a small fee. And then I do offer one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. Um, I'll, anybody that's interested in this lifestyle, I'd be happy to coach. But what I've structured the coaching after is more of a autoimmune healing and or kind of a binge eating approach because it's pretty intensive for six months, you know, me holding your hand the whole way because those kinds of problems need someone holding your hand the whole way for a while through the ups and downs and the twists and turns. And so right now that's just the only way to work with me one-on-one -on -one is that six month um, coaching program. But I, I give tons of free content all the time on YouTube and Instagram. So that's a good place to start. Which is the beauty of the carnivore world for sure and keto world is there's so much free content to learn mm -hmm. from, stories to learn from. But getting that one-on-one -on -one coaching, I think is so powerful and important for, for all of us. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And it's, it's hard, you know, it's kind of like my job. It's working with patients or clients and they're going through struggles. And sometimes you're like, what's the best thing? But I feel like that's what I'm called to do. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of why I've gone through a lot of my own troubles so I can empathize and relate and really provide not only knowledge, but wisdom. Can you give us any stories of some recent clients and, and what they've gone through and maybe how they've made some, some changes and uh, benefited? Yeah. So um, one client in particular, she has tried all the kinds of diets out there. And she actually just came to me more for weight loss. And um, she just kept gaining weight, you know, on a vegetarian diet, gaining weight on a standard American, even Atkins. She And I think she actually was having some success on Atkins, but her doctor convinced her not to do it. And so um, we've just been working together a couple months now. And she's just been steadily losing weight. Um, she used to have to take Advil every day for years. Oh gosh, for shoulder and knee pain. She hasn't had to take Advil once since we started working together. She's gotten off her Prilosec and all her, all her heartburn issues mostly are gone. We're still dealing with that a little bit. And, um, you know, her life is just a little simpler because she's not having to think about food all the time. You know, she kind of knows what she's going to eat. She eats it. That's that. And so just 
making someone's life a little simpler and allowing them to live their life and not mess with all the food conundrums is really rewarding. And then getting to see all the physical benefits too. Like I said, she's just been at this a couple months and she's already making great strides. So that's really cool to see. What does a daily uh, 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 food plan look like for you and maybe a little bit more of your daily habits? Well, I, I say that a carnivore diet really is any meat, eggs, or dairy. So some people think it's a little tighter than that, but I would say it's pretty open. Um, but I personally mostly include red meat, mostly beef, and eggs, and a tiny bit of dairy here and there. Um, so like today, well, today's a bad example, because I got this, like, it's called a power puck. It's, uh-huh. it's, a, it's made of tallow and protein and um, pork rinds. And that's a thousand calories. And I made a video about it. So I ate it. So I did, I won't eat much regular food, but normally I have something like eggs and bacon for breakfast. My favorite lunch is chopped up chuck roast with some fat trimmings, um, beef fat trimmings that I get for free from the store. And then dinner, if I'm hungry, might be some ground beef patties or something like that. Now I'm not much of a faster. I know that you do a lot of fasting or more of like an OMAD, but I'm still kind of coming from that binge eating mindset where if I restrict mm-hmm. my eating window for too long, I get a little bit bingey thinking. And so I usually do two to three meals a day. And as far as my daily kind of lifestyle, um, on the weekends, I work all day at the hospital. So that's pretty much all I have time for. During the week, I'm at home, typically creating content for carnivore stuff. Nice. But I make myself get up and go to the gym in the morning. And then I try to make myself get outside and go for a walk or something with my dog sometime during the day. Otherwise, I'm just sitting doing this for 12 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so do you, do you think uh, it's critical to keep that narrow uh, in the meat side uh, versus those that use eggs and, and milk products? What have you seen the experience either for yourself or some of your clients? I think it varies a lot, especially with people with skin conditions. And so um, if people can tolerate going very narrow at first, like basically a line diet, I do see the best results with that, the fastest results with that. But for me, you have to keep all the factors in mind. For me, someone that had just been binge eating days before, going that narrow just made me end up rebelling and having this false start. But if somebody comes to this with an autoimmune skin issue, no history of disordered eating, and they can do it, I would say basically start with a lion diet. You're going to get quick results and you're going to feel freaking awesome. And -hmm. then you can start adding things back one at a time, like one food at a time each week and know right away what foods are affecting you and which ones aren't versus someone like me that kind of has to start with everything. Then you have to slowly pare down. Then you have to slowly add back. It's just a longer process and it leaves a little bit more gray area of what foods are affecting me negatively. And it takes a little more experimentation. Now, either way is possible. It's just that one way is a little, a little easier. Tell us a little bit about the mindful side of things and what, what are your, do you have any particular favorite habits, reading your favorite books, things like that? Well, that's why I love 75 hard so much because when I'm doing it, 
I make myself do all those tasks. I'm not going to fail. So I do sit down and read and I go outside for 45 minutes and do some sort of exercise. And that's when I do my best thinking when I'm outside just walking or something like that. And so that's the kind of thing that is that I can be mindful and I can center myself. But I find myself so often if I don't make myself do it, mm-hmm. not doing that, getting my day as busy as I possibly can. And then I see the repercussions of that, of me not sleeping very well, me being a little more irritable, having more cravings for food. You know, I don't really have cravings for sweets anymore, but sometimes it's just like, oh, I just want some bacon, but I'm not really hungry. It's just I haven't done anything for mindfulness and I haven't relaxed. So that's a bit of a work in progress for me still, but something I definitely want to master. And I think that's I I think I'm going to find that that is just as important as the diet. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have any particular favorite books that you might share mm-hmm. or readings that people might find helpful? I do. One in particular is called Mindset by Carol Dweck. It's a very good book about having a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. So a growth mindset means you are open to the fact that you can do anything. You just have to work hard for it. Uh, versus a fixed mindset is like, well, I wasn't born good at that. So I'll never be good at it. And that is how I've always been. So getting this growth mindset and understanding that there's so much more to the book, but that's one one basic tenant, um, understanding that you're capable of a lot, you just have to choose the things that you want to do. So that's a fantastic one. And then from the binge eating standpoint, I really love brain over binge by Catherine Mm. Hansen. And it just basically teaches you that you've created a bad habit for yourself, why that's happened, how biology plays a role and how to break that. Um, And then I don't know, I'm kind of a nerd. I like a lot of finance books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yep, yep, uh, that kind of thing. Millionaire Mindset. I love those kind of books. And so during 75 Hard, that's about the lineup of the books that I'll be reading. What's your your dream your dream that you see in the creativity of all this or or in the next thing gosh that's a big question dr kiltz i mean my dream okay lots of things my dream is to find a partner a husband i'm single now and um i'd like to maybe even have a baby we'll see i'm getting up there (laughs) um and i'd like to have a job where i can sort of work from anywhere so i can travel more, spend more time with this family that I hope to have one day. Um, But I definitely still want to stay plugged into my career as a physical therapist. So I definitely want to have a situation where I can work a couple days a month, which is quite typical, actually, in this world, I could easily do that as a PT, and I could maybe even do it while traveling. Um, And my my dream is to stay healthy and Mm -hmm. be able to expose myself to more people and help them to be healthy too. Cool. 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 Are there any particular questions you wanted to ask me uh, in this, in this uh, conversation today? Well, if you're offering, I would love to ask you how to handle this situation that I'm struggling at work when let's say I'm working with a patient and the hospitalist comes in and provides some really poor nutrition advice, like eat a gallon of ice cream as a type one diabetic. I don't ever know what to do. So I just zip my lips and maybe I'll have a conversation with the patient after of like, what, how about these options? Does any of this sound good? And I'll suggest something better, but do you have any advice on how I can be professional and not overstep 
but provide the right information to the patient and or the hospitalist. Well, keto is always kind of a safe one, I think, because keto kind of encompasses everything and anything. Uh, but but that's always a tough one for all of us, depending on what where we're at in in the sort of the I'm going to use the word hierarchy of the uh, and because because hospitals and medical centers have a hierarchy of what mm-hmm. you're allowed to do and not allowed to do and diet. I was told not to talk about this at the hospital to the medical students, and so and I was reported to our medical board licensing board. So I know that that you have to be a little careful, but I still talk about it. And I, and I talk about keto and carnivore. And I just ask, Hey, have you heard about this other area that you might be interested in that might be helpful? We don't talk about nutrition very much at the hospital. And it seems to me like you get a lot of garbage. I don't know from one human being to another. uh, Have you looked at this, but you know, maybe even talk to the, 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 the hospitalist, and, and, and talk a little bit about it. That might be something to, to enter in that because I think we need to find a way to share, continue to share the story in a way that is acronomy, that, that, is, that is sort of acceptable, that we're not like you're wrong or don't do this. It's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, I've been doing this and reading about this and have you seen this and tried it at all? As they say, yeah. the truth shall set you free. And communicating and discussing is really, I think, something very important that we all need to lead into. But we are in the healthcare field. So our, our, our real mission is to heal our clients, which mm-hmm. is humanity. And if what we're doing is wrong, I guess we need to find a way to share it and speak up. So, you know, maybe, again, you're blogging, uh, hey, Somehow my card with my information on blogging happened to be set down there, which happens or my my physical therapy information is set out there, which happened to also link to my other things. Because physical therapy uh, uh, isn't just when the moment you're there, I imagine. That's true. Exercises and ideas. And and I think the part that I really learned because I used to bike, run, swim, lift, everything. I was like good looking and, and all these things and fit. Uh, my, one of my best friends from medical school died of cancer and he was a good looking, strong guy. And that's when I had the question of what the hell's going on. And I can tell you when I went keto, I got better. Carnivore, all the arthritis, psoriasis, kidney mm-hmm. stones, migraines, bowel bleeding, but also the anxiety, the fear, and the uh, and, and, and mental, because we talk about physical fitness, but mental fitness is, is critical to our lives. And if you can't walk or move, I'm going to say this in a way that sounds crazy. Who cares? As long as you have a good mindset, you can overcome anything. And so I think you're just a positive mindset to continue to share your words and it'll work out. I appreciate that advice. And I think the business card idea is a really good one. I'm going to have to consider that. Because it, it really is. And, and I've read uh, many of those books you've mentioned because I needed it and uh, I have grown from it. 
And I think that's one of the most important things I'm learning from the carnivore and keto communities is that whether you're vegan, vegetarian, Mediterranean, or carnivorean, we all have things to share and learn together. That's what this is about. And the more we can do that uh, from Kansas or New York or California or, uh, or, or Turkey or wherever in this world you are, we're the same human beings. You know, you, you mentioned something about, uh, you know, who can do what in life? If you've got a pulse, you can do anything. And, and that's the mindset, I think, the part that we really need to be sharing. And that's what I love, the carnivore style. Michaela Peterson, Jordan Peterson, the lion's diet, but the mindset part of it that I think that's something we need to talk about equally as much as the food we eat. Because I always say faith is first and faith in God. Uh, mm. And again, all we need to do is look in the mirror and there she is, or he is, or it is, whatever you want to say. It's within all of us, isn't it? I think so, yes. I think so. And we don't talk enough about faith and mindset in, in our carnival world. We need to continue to, to dig it up more. Okay, challenge accepted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and so reading every day, I think, is critical. Moving every day is critical. Mm -hmm. Whether you're doing 20 push-ups, sit-ups, whatever it is, I always say the get-up exercise is the best exercise you can do. Actually, as a PT, that's what I suggest a lot, just like chair stands, because that's what these people are losing when they get old. Well, well yes. and, but I think you're, you're in in physical therapy, and I don't know that I could mention any other carnivores that are physical therapists. I'm sure there's some out there, but, but physical therapy is helping people that can't, that are injured, get moving again, learning new yeah. techniques. But the carnivore way is, is really the most powerful part of this because then you're not hurting as much. You're not as stiff mm -hmm. as much and you're able to just do more. Wouldn't you say? You're right. It's, there's such an overlap. Someone recently accused me of sort of being outside of my scope. He, this was online and he was a nutritionist. And first of all, I'm not doing physical therapy on my delighted to meet you page. So they're separate anyway, but it is within a physical therapist scope because my job is to help people get out of pain, be stronger and move and do the things they need to do in their daily life. And to do that, they have to have proper nutrition. So Anyway, that comment that he made was able to just slide right off my back because he's clearly wrong and I have no, no doubts about that. But I appreciate you bringing that up. Well, you know, the, the question comes is, is sort of like the world today is different because access to information is instantaneous and everyone has information access. And so you don't have to be accepted into a, a, a university or a school to learn to get knowledge anymore. And so your degree doesn't matter to me. Yeah. You know, ask, ask your grandmother, your great grandmother, they probably have more, more insight to health and wellness than anyone I've known. Yeah. Well, I think we're getting back there. We're slowly, but surely, I think moving that direction. Well, I think the important part is, is that as we develop our communities, invite more people in, they're going to see where you've come from and what you look like today. And 
Uh, on your blogs, you have pictures of your psoriasis and what you suffered from. And yeah, there's so many people bad. out there that when they see the suffering and their biologics are huge, IVIG, Humira, um, Simsia, mm-hmm. uh, uh, all of these things that people are taking more and more and more and more. And uh, we've got to, we're, I'm working to sort of shift that. And in the fertility world, I want to help people conceive and deliver babies naturally. And uh, along with helping increase their success with, with what I do by simply keto, carnivore, fasting. But I always say faith is the magic of the universe. Mm, faith I is love it. that. Anything I haven't asked you that you hoped I would ask? Gosh, I feel like you really covered it all. Well, it's it's really, really, really a pleasure. Uh, do you have any upcoming workshops or social events that you're going to be holding that people should uh, get online and find out about and join? The main thing I'm doing right now is the 75 hard thing, which is going to start July 1st. If this airs before that, or if it doesn't, um, people could always start a little bit late. Many people have started early or late, so we'll still be in there together. So if you're interested in that, find me on Instagram, send me a DM, and I will hook you up with the private Facebook group. So you're welcome to join us. It's completely free. And then um, nothing else coming up right now. With the exception of just, I am taking uh, one-on-one coaching clients right now. I can't take too many before I'm full, but I still have a few openings. So if anyone's interested in that, they can also DM me and I can get them the information. And and uh, you can also, we'll send messages back and forth and I'll make sure I mention that in our, in our posts and our lives and things that I think is really so important for everyone. Uh, what, 75 hard, where, where did the name come from? Well, Andy Frazella created it. And honestly, I think he had 75 days to prepare for something he was trying to do. And so he made it 75 days. And I don't know why he chose the word hard, but he, you know, he just made it up and then it caught fire. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm going to take a look at it. Uh, July 10th through the 14th, we're doing a five day fast, uh, which is another hard thing. Uh, But again, it's, you know, I always... I think fasting is an, an excellent experience to practice because it gives even more food freedom than just the narrow range of carnivore and those sort of things. But it's, it's not something that you need to jump into uh, in, in order to sort of practice something new and different. And, and it's, I do it because it's hard, it's really hard. And, and uh, that's why I, I do all of this stuff because it's hard. Um, there was one other question that was coming to my mind in a second is, uh, but I forgot it and I'll come, we'll have another time to talk more and, and enjoy more. So no problem. Well, I will say when you describe the fasting that way, somehow it seems much more appealing to me. So maybe I'll well, consider giving it another try soon. Well, I'm, I'm less in my biking, running and those sort of things. I'm, I'm more in sort of the mindset game and, mm-hmm. and I too, uh, I don't like to use the phrase food addiction or a food disorder or eating disorder. I I just, I try to use the mindset that in Mm. fact, we were all, we were all misinformed through propaganda and drugs. And so our actions are related to propaganda 
and drugs. So if we change the mindset, the words, we continuously habitualize the words that I'm perfect, I'm healthy, I'm well, then we gain more power in that thing that was hurting or harming us. That's the part that I think I'm learning to practice more. When I, I read The Secret 20 years ago, mm -hmm. Rhonda Byrne, I don't know if you've read it, listened to it, watched it, but it's powerful. But then you read every book that that book was written from, and then every book that those books are written from, and you realize it comes down to the same exact thing. The thoughts we have lead to the life we live. And yes. as we share these things in life, it's so much more powerful, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And that brings up another book. It's The Secret of the Subconscious Mind or something like that. It's kind of like The Secret. Anyway, yes, I actually, I completely agree. And I, I don't touch on this stuff a lot on my page, but the faith and the mindset and the thoughts and the words you say, I think that all has such an important role too. again, maybe more than the diet. So thank you for reminding me of that. Well, I, I, you know, I always say faith first, fertile fatty foods, which, <laughs> and then, and then fitness sort of follows those two things. And sometimes one is more, uh, uh, more visible than the other in our lives. And so it's sort of like, like we're, we, we gain on one, we lose on the other, and then we do this. And so the, the faith and food are sort of the, the, our yin and the yang of our, our, our physicality. And our mind, the brain is just another mechanical device, essentially. But the mechanics are on the molecular level, the electromolecular mm -hmm. level. And so that's why, I mean, for me, I spent a lot of time in meditation, prayer, visualization, and mindset. We're doing, this week's book is The Four Agreements. I don't know if you've read that yet uh, by mm -hmm. Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh, we did The Mastery of Love last week. Uh, Paulo Coelho's book, The Alchemist. Have you read that one yet? I have read that one. That's my favorite book. But, but the more of these things we weave into our lives because... Um, I think excessive exercise is the thing that causes our bodies actually to, to wear down faster. Mm. But, but regular movement, which maybe we'll call it exercise, participation in life, uh, sports activities are great. But, but as we age, our bodies don't, you know, if you just look at sports in general, it's younger, not older. Mm -hmm. And if you look at many athletes, they all become highly damaged over time. They have to quit their professions. You're and right. the number of the number of joint replacements has gone up tremendously. And again, it's the inflammation from the diet, but it's excessive exercise. That's our that's our biggest hardship and challenge. So. Well, I love your mind and how you look at everything so holistically. So thank you for sharing all that with me. Jen at delighted to meet you.com, <laughs> Instagram, YouTube. All the places. All the places. And check out Jen and uh, really great insight on uh, some individual and group coaching and more. So we look forward to spending more time with you, Jen. Thank you so much and God bless. Thank you. You too. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Carnivore Conversations hosted by me, Dr. Robert Kiltz. 
And don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Check out drkiltz.com for more and subscribe to our Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook for more inspiring content every day. Take care and see you next time.